in the shower, car, or on the can. As moms, we all know those are about the only times in a day where we are alone and sane, if we're lucky. That's why we created Mom Goal, a weekly podcast designed to give moms all they need to know to become moguls in 15 minutes or less. So lather up, turn up the volume, or stay secretly hiding in peace on the pot a bit longer. Let's go! Hi, Mongols. It's time for five minutes of physical knowledge and get ready because this month we are talking about life-saving tips and covering everything from choking to CPR. You don't want to miss this. Joining us all month is the amazing expert, Gail Gould. She is known as a CPR and safety lady with over 30 years of experience as an American Heart and National Safety Council CPR instructor, plus skilled in first aid and emergency response training. She is going to be giving us the tips we need to identify the problem and help save lives. Please welcome Gail to the show. Hello, Gail. Hello, so glad to be here. We are so happy you're here. Thank you so much, Gail, for joining us this whole month. And through your years of experience and having trained over 10,000 people, Mongols, 10,000 people she's trained to save lives. Gail, where is the first area we should focus on as moms? Well, Kristen, it depends on the age of your child, really. But when your baby first comes home from the hospital, I personally think it should be required for all new parents to take CPR before baby comes home from the hospital. But currently I'm not in charge, but I do think all new parents need to take CPR. So for infants, you know, I always want to be careful because I don't want to trigger anyone. But for babies under the age of one, most common cause of unintentional death is going to be obstructed airway, meaning they've choked on something. And breast milk, as well as formula can obstruct the airway of an infant under the age of four months. Once four months, it's gotta be a foreign body like a piece of food or an object, but under the age of four months, formula or breast milk can't obstruct their airway. And I had that experience with my son when he was about three months old. And it was, you know, like two in the morning, I was doing a bottle feeding and all of a sudden it got real quiet and I kind of heard him kind of go, make some weird noises and I knew what was going on and I gave him a couple back blows and it cleared it right up so you really do have to be prepared you do and that's why you're here this month because preparation is what it's all about so you say the first things first that we need to identify the problem and that is knowing the difference between gagging and choking can you tell us what the difference is yes so gagging is not choking Infants and toddlers who gag, their face is going to be beet red. It's going to be very noisy. You will hear coughing, crying, squealing, cackling. Their eyes may be watery. They may even vomit. If you hold your hand right beneath their mouth, they might even spit it up into your hand. So gagging is very, very noisy. I like to tell people loud and red, let them go ahead. Silent blue they need help from you so gagging you do not intervene let them work it out themselves it's when your child becomes silent making very little noise no noise at all their face becomes pale they're making a high-pitched crowing noise it sounds like this their chest becomes concave that's when you need to step in and administer what we now call choking relief 
Would you like me to demonstrate it? Save my baby. Yes, sure. We'll be sure to put okay. this on social. Everybody. Here is what you do to an infant. Really, anybody who will fit in your arm. You turn the baby upside down, almost with the head at a 45 degrees from the legs. And I'm going to give five back blows right in between the shoulder blades. It'll look like this. One, two, three, four, five. How am I going to know if it comes out? The baby's going to scream bloody murder. This expels up in the airway. You'll hear a lot of noise, crying, screaming. You don't hear anything. You don't see anything. Turn the baby face up. Again, head lower than the feet. Now I'm going to use two fingers on the vertical axis of the sternum, right beneath the nipple line. I'm going to give five chest thrusts. One, two, three, four, five. Now I'm going to go look in the mouth. And if I see it, I'll take my pinky finger and sweep it out. But you certainly want to avoid sticking your finger in there and blindly fishing around. Because if you put your finger in there, there's a good chance you'll push it farther down. So if you didn't see anything, and you continue to do the back blows and chest thrust until the object is expelled or until, God forbid, the baby becomes unresponsive, which at that point you want to call 911 and start the steps of CPR. But, you know, to take it a step back, choking is a preventable emergency. You have to make certain that you're feeding them foods that are appropriate based on their age. So for infants, can you say it again? Because I liked your analogy. Loud and red, let them go ahead. And then what is it? Silent and blue, they need help from you. So Mongols, I know a, a lot of us probably took a CPR test when we had infants, but it's been a while. So we're hoping this is a nice refresher for you all and it'll help you know what the heck to do right in that instance of an emergency. So stick around next week because we're going to continue talking about choking this time what to do if your toddler or your kid is choking and be sure to check out gail's digital course for cpr it's only 30 minutes and anyone can learn about these life-saving techniques no matter where they live so you can find it at www.cprandsafetylady.com thank you gail and we'll see you next week bye-bye Hey, Mongols, we are back in our final month before, you know, the summer starts and before uh, school's out for summer. So joining us this month is our uh, special, lovely children are going to join us. We're going to ask them questions about finance and life and Mongols. So get excited. Joining me first and foremost is my firstborn, Colton Schneider, everybody. Hello. My name is Colton. Nice to meet you. All right, Colton. Ready for your first question? Yes. Okay. So Colton, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. Astronaut? Why do you want to be an astronaut? Because I want to build the first house on the moon. The first house on the moon. Amazing. We have an innovator right here. Okay, number two. Do you have a hobby or talent that could become a business that could make you money? Oh, me and my brother like to play video games. Okay, so do you think that talent could make you money someday? I want to get viewers and then, and then I get one and then I get $10,000. Do you want to be like those kids that you watch on, on YouTube sometimes? I want to be like or Preston. Invent things. I want to be Pre like. Who's Preston? A Minecraft star. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good idea. All right, number three. What are taxes? I don't know what taxes are. What do you think they are? Just guess. Like bills or something? I can pay you, I can pay you a bill. 
basically bills to the government all right number four if you were to write a book featuring you as the main character how would you describe yourself i'm nice i'm confident i'm brave and i'm kind yes i love that i love that you are all right number five what's a friend someone that you meet and you really like them and then they're your bfl what does that mean bfl means friends for life oh and then bff that means best friends forever very cool okay number six what is one thing you wish your parents would stop doing i wish they would stop taking me to doctors we have to that's what parents do all right, number seven. What do you think mommy wants to be when she grows up? A parent? Well, I'm a parent. What, what else? What do you think I want to be? Zookeeper. Zookeeper. Never crossed my mind, but you never know. All right, number eight. What would you do if you were in charge of the whole world? Go. I would make people just play video games. Okay. Number nine, focus, focus. What, 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 what? what do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you I see? I see me. And what's special about you, bud? Uh, I'm a very good kid and I have amazing parents. Good answer, good answer. Unprompted, by the way. All right, number 10. If kids ran the world, how would I, it be different? I would tell the parents do whatever they want. Just do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Play video games all day. Yeah. Play and have fun all day. Yeah. All right. Last question. Most important question. What is a mom goal? A mom goal is someone who's on screen right now. That's my mom. What does a mom goal do? Uh, teach mom how to be a better mom. That's a good answer. We're, we're learning. We're all learning together okay. how to be the mom goals of our households. All right. We hope you enjoy this month where you get a little glimpse into our daily lives with our lovely children. So stick around next week because Raquel is interviewing her firstborn, Rin Kelly. She is a singer and she's probably going to sing too. So get excited. See you next week. See you next week. Mommy. Mommy. For the month of May on MomGoal, we are talking about the topics of life and death, and we are so excited to have our first male on the show to do so. David Copeland is a certified death doula, LGBTQIA advocate and missionary who's on a purpose to empower families by ensuring that their loved ones receive the best possible care in the final moments of their lives. Welcome to the show, David. Hello. Hi. Hi, David. We are looking forward to having you on this month because I'm sure a lot of our listeners have never even heard of what a death doula even is. So you're going to start by sharing how you got into it, your story, what is a death doula. So it wasn't until recently that I even found or heard the word death doula. So tell us about how you got started and, and what a death doula is. So a death doula is someone who helps do spiritual support, guidance, coaching to the dying person and their families. We are, we become a part of the family and we work through the processes of dying and with the hospice center or whatever facility that you're dying in or at home. So we try to 
work in the in-between spaces of death and dying. So how does one even say, this is my calling, this is what I'm supposed to do in my life? So I started off in my journey as a death doula really, really, really young because we were taught to serve as children. So my great grandmother, her sister, her mom, my grandmother and my mother, they took care of the community. So there was times where we would have to go across the street to change a woman and take care of her. We would go in and speak and we would leave out and the women would bathe the lady that was across the street just out of the kindness of their heart because they knew that the son could do it. They taught us the importance of humility and serving. I started going to nursing homes when I was around four and five years old, where we would sing to the people in the nursing home, people that were declining, and they made us shake everybody's hand. They made us serve people without wondering anything about it being gross, about it being nasty. They made us shake their hands to show that we loved them and that we supported them. They didn't let us skip one person. But then at around five, six years old, there was a man at the church named Deacon Bedford, and he was declining and slipping away. We went to go and sing to him, and it was at that moment I knew he was there, but he wasn't there. He was in that in-between space. It was the 11th hour. I didn't know it was the 11th hour at the time, but we went and sang to him. He would shake his head, sometimes nod, sometimes squeeze a hand, but he was there, but still in his process of transition. Shortly after we left, we got the phone call saying that Deacon Benford has slipped away. So that was my first introduction to death and dying and what that looks like and what the importance is of having people around you that love you when you pass away. And what's so interesting is even as a five or six year old, because I know even as adults, people are afraid to even speak of death or bring it up. But as a five or six year old, you were around it. It did not terrify you. Can you explain that experience? Were you calm? I was very, very in tune at an early age. So I noticed certain things about how he was able to look in our eyes, but not able to communicate. But you can still feel the love that we were giving to him and his love back towards us. And it didn't make me nervous. It made me know that it's important that there's people there in that time of need. So growing up, when I knew somebody was at the nursing home or in the hospital, from that point, I'd be like, oh, we need to go see this person. I need to go see that person. So I was catching the bus around the city to go and meet people in nursing homes that I knew was declining or was sick. It made me have a vocation, something that was easy, something that was I love to do and that I would do freely and not be paid for because I love to serve people. So it was something that triggered in me, I needed to go. I hear somebody sick. Let me get up and go. I love that. I love that your mom and grandma just ingrained it in you when you were younger, but then it almost felt like you knew you had to fill that void for people and you knew how important it was. That's amazing. Yes. That's amazing. Wow. What a special calling. Thank you, David, for sharing your story and shedding light on what is typically a hard topic to talk about. Please visit www.lwrdoula.com if you'd like to connect with David directly and stick around next week where we talk about the importance of having an end of life plan. All right, Mom Goals, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Want more Mom Goal? Follow us on Instagram at Mom Goal. And don't forget to leave us a review.